The reading <laughs> is taken from uh, Genesis 28, uh, beginning at verse um, 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a staircase resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and will spread out to the west, and to the east, to the north, and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Then, when jo Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it, on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all that you give me I will give you a tenth then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. It's on, yes. <laughs> now, I haven't used one of these things before, actually, so um, I probably do this kind of thing. So uh, anyway, let's try, let's try. Let's have a go. Let's have a, begin with a prayer together, shall we? Lord, we thank you for gathering us here today, and thank you for the love that you have for each and every one of us. And thank you, Lord, that you want to speak your message of love and encouragement to each of us to help us to become more like you, to trust in you with our whole lives, and to become more and more like Jesus. So we pray that you will meet with us in your word, in our worship, in a sacrament. We pray, Lord, that all of us will be increasingly transformed by 
freshly understanding your love and your presence. And we ask this for your glory's sake. Amen. So, um, this is a dog collar. Uh, actually, it's a, it's, you can detach it. It's an ordinary shirt, dog collar. And exactly, so Will's got one there. And I actually did actually on one occasion go on church weekend away and I forgot my dog collar. So I had to go out and buy a squeezy uh, uh, washing up liquid and I cut it into and put it in there. It, it did a good job, right? Now, the thing about uh, us who are like, like Will and Amy, uh, well, I certainly was not born with this on. Okay, I wasn't born with this on. In fact, I come from a fairly dysfunctional family with a pretty dysfunctional background. Uh, when I was 10, my, my parents split, and uh, there were lots and lots of rows in the family. My father remarried. Uh, my sister and, and family didn't get on. My, my sister was, at the age of 16, expelled, <laughs> literally expelled from the house and sent to live up in central London. And I also uh, felt increasingly unloved by my, my, my father with his new family. And uh, I left home uh, as a teenager and went to live with an aunt and uncle and then moved 120 miles away to Birmingham uh, and uh, for, for years and years, years, never went back home again. So I expect many of us have got sort of like similar kind of uh, histories, uh, dysfunctional backgrounds, maybe dysfunctional lives now. Uh, maybe it wasn't, it was fine at one point, and <laughs> maybe it isn't so fine now. Uh, and, uh, and we can be conscious of the mess of our lives. All of us can be conscious of the mess of our lives. And that can be a problem because we can sometimes therefore wonder, well, how does God see me? Does God, will God answer my prayers? And, and we're conscious of, of our failure and our, 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 all our mistakes and, and our weaknesses, and we... We know that God loves everybody else, but does he really love me? Do, am I really confident that he is my God, that he's with me, uh, and so on? Much as we may like to think that the case, we're consciously uh, aware of our own sin and failure and the past and all the stuff, dysfunctionality in us. And, and therefore, that's a problem. And we can look around other people, and uh, we can see their much more ordered lives. Everything seems to be great with them they just got perfect kids they've got perfect this and that They're, they all pay their bills on time all the rest of it and 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 we can think of, of course uh, you know god's gonna answer their prayers because they are such wonderful people you they are clearly you know they are clearly blessed and god favors them and i can imagine god answering their prayers but we 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 sometimes wonder does god does god hear my prayer is god with me does god is, is god close to me so in Jacob, we have this wonderful, amazing story that helps us to see that though we think that way, God doesn't. God does not think that way at all. I mean, the Bible often speaks of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You've probably heard, I think it's about a dozen or so times in Scripture, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they are the patriarchs, the fathers, the founders, our, father, our founding fathers of, our, of, our, of, our, of the Jewish faith and therefore the Christian faith. And therefore you might think that, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they will be somehow exemplary uh, men of faith, you know, who are always obedient to God and always do amazing things for God and so on. And what's encouraging about reading the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the many stories there is that we see their lives were dysfunctional too. 
very, very flawed. I mean, you know, like Abraham and Isaac, both of them were obviously strangers in the land of Canaan, you know, having come down from, from uh, the Ur, the Chaldees, and so on. So they were now strangers in the land. God had promised the land to them, but they were now still strangers. They were visitors and so on. And uh, what happened was that the kind of like, but they, were, they had got beautiful wives, both of them, uh, and they were, they were a bit worried that somehow uh, that, 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 that the men of the region, their local men, would, would keep, have an eye on their, their, their beautiful wife, and, and because they were married, they would kill Abraham or kill Isaac and then uh, go, go off and take their wives. So therefore, both Abraham and Isaac on separate occasions told a lie about their wives and said, oh, no, this is my sister. This is my sister. And, uh, and then the result of that was that the local then sort of began to take uh, as if they were going to take their wives to be married. And that caused all kinds of problems for the local people and for Ab Abraham and Isaac as well. But Jacob seemed to be the worst of the pack because in previous chapters of, of, uh, of Genesis, we see that he really was, I mean, his name means to grapple to the deceiver he's he, his name jacob means snatch uh, uh, and so on like his brother esau who was red was called esau means red his name means someone who who, who actually grapples and strives and and and, and in, in a sort of kind of deceptive kind of way and certainly he does that because um what happens is that you could see in previous chapters that, that he's the younger and his older brother esau and he, he he wants to be the top dog so he cheats his brother esau out of his inheritance because his brother's more bothered about food than, than his inheritance and if he, therefore there is jacob cheating his brother out of inheritance then later on with his mum he 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 deceives uh, the father who's now old and blind and he's about to give a final blessing to sort of like, you know, you will give me my son to Esau and therefore he knows that's going to happen. So he, his mother dresses him up in, in like, you know, in a goat's hair to make him look all hairy because he's actually smooth and uh, his brother Esau is a hairy man and, uh, and basically uh, swindles his, old, his, his older brother out of inheritance by pretending to be Esau and getting the father to lay his hands upon him and bless him and everything else. So, you know, here is, you know, that's, that's lying and cheating and deception in, in a major way, and it caused massive disruption to the family so that... Uh, uh, you know, Esau is baying for his blood and uh, it's going to be absolutely terrible and therefore, you know, his, his mum recognises this and, and, and agrees with the father to send him off uh, to miles away uh, to, to actually, to Mesopotamia, to actually uh, be, be with his family up there to get a wife from, from, uh, from his, his relatives up, up there. So... That's what he's on this journey. So he's, he's now on this long journey to a strange land where he doesn't know anybody at all. And uh, he, uh, he, his family he's never met. And so if you were Jacob and you were in this desert and you lay your head down to sleep, having had an exhausting day, having known that you've left a complete mess behind you and you're fleeing for your life you may have thought well maybe the God of Abraham and Isaac maybe 
that the promise about you know all the stuff that God was going to do through them and, and their, their forebears, maybe maybe that was true then. But I have completely blown it. I I'm useless. I've messed up. Whatever plans God had to bless me and bless my family, whatever it had, I've clearly I've clearly blown it now. So you would imagine that when he that when he lay, lies down to sleep, that he is going to think, uh, what, what have I got now? Nothing. And, and end of the story. But the great thing about this story in G Genesis chapter 28 is that it is shows that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. He thinks completely differently from us. He is not like us. And, and so what we see here is that God is faithful still. So if you have a look, I think it should work. Yeah. So, we can see here in Genesis 28. So when he, the, uh, he, he, he had, in the dream, there above it stood, when he's, in fact, Amy has been talking about, sorry, I'm, I've got the microphone. Amy is talking about earlier on, this idea of, of a vision of a ladder going all the way up to heaven with angels going up and down on this ladder. This is the kind of vision that he has. And there at the top is God. There above stood the Lord. And in his dream, he hears God saying to him, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Now, isn't that amazing? What, how, how, what a transformative and encouraging experience that must have been for Jacob to have had a dream like that. Because whatever he thought when he was going to sleep about the fact that you know he'd aptly blown it forever here was this message from God saying no I'm not like that my promise to your father and your grandfather is continuing through you despite the mess that you have made and and he is going to do this amazing thing that through his family that he's going to have this this going to he could bring him back to this land and, uh, and, and that his descendants will be the dust of the earth and, and uh, all the offsprings of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Isn't that a wonderful thing that somehow your family is going to be this huge source of blessing, that you will be a source of blessing? And, and not just to locally, but that, that, that all the peoples on the earth, all the peoples on the earth, so... It's no, no wonder that Jacob must have thought, I, I'm, I'm not fitted for that. I'm, I've blown it. I can't do it. I, I'm a, a cheat. I'm a liar. I've, I've, I've blown my family apart. I'm, I'm fearing for my life now. Every reason that Jacob had have thought, that's it. I've blown it. God is not with me anymore. Despite that, God makes it clear that he is still loved and precious and God is faithful and I love that bit I will not leave you until I've done all that I have promised you I am with you and watch over you wherever you go and bring you back to this land so he must have thought I'm never going to come back here I, 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 that's it that's the last I've ever seen 
but I'm, I'm, God, is, God actually is going to bring him back. So isn't that, a, isn't that amazing, the faithfulness, the, the, the wonderful way that God is, 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 is deeply and personally at work in Jacob's life. He's, he comes to meet with him at his hour of desperate need when he's because a desperate failure and we may feel the same thing I know where I don't know where you are in your walk with God at the moment I don't know how you feel does God listen to you do you do you because by our natural thing is to think is to feel where we've blown it with God that we've done things we've messed up we we are we are not good enough and therefore, we, 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 have, we don't expect God to do amazing things through us. We don't expect God to work through us. We don't expect God to bless us. We don't expect God to answer our prayers. We kind of have dumbed down to a very low level of, of Christian expectation. But I believe God is saying to us today, to all of us, whatever our backgrounds, whatever our lives are today, that God loves us and that he has a plan of purpose for our lives and that he actually is faithful and want to use you massively to do amazing things however disqualified you feel now what is remarkable about this story is also the way that you might wonder why or how can God do that but what we see is that this story links into Jesus and the story of, of him and ultimately his death upon the cross, because uh, the next slide speaks about, but you remember that actually in this vision, when, when Jacob sees this ladder with going up to heaven with angels up and down the ladder, well actually that, that very thought is also brought out by John in chapter one, uh, when uh, in the very part, first chapter of John's gospel, if I can get this thing to work, is it failed, the battery not working? Can we have the next? Can you push it down? Okay, there you are. Okay, so here we are in John chapter 1, when this is when Jesus meeting disciples the first time. Nathaniel said, Rabbi, Jesus, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, dot, 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 very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on who? the Son of Man. So he's saying that, that somehow he, in the vision that, that Jacob had thousands of years before, the fulfillment of that, that vision, what it's really about, is about Jesus, and that Jesus is the means of this gateway to heaven. And so back one, so, and Jesus answered in John 14, John 46, and Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus knew that he was the way back to God. He was the means. He was the mediator. You and I are absolutely right when we think that our sins and our, our, our so on and our dysfunctionality is a barrier to God. We are absolutely right. Our conscience bears witness. That is true. That's why we have a bad feeling about it. But the gospel is that though we have messed up, yet God through Jesus Christ has made it possible for all of us to have this amazing close relationship with him. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. 
No one comes to the Father except by him. And he is the one through this stairway to heaven of which a glimpse was caught by Jacob uh, in, in that vision in chapter 28 of, of, uh, of Genesis. So, therefore, what we can see in, in, in this story of John 14, 6, is that we see that the, the grace of Jesus Christ and the cost of him dying on the cross in order for our sins to be paid for and washed away as far as the east is from the west so that we can have this amazing relationship with God with all the hope that each one of us here in church today hope our future is bright, our future is full of hope, our future is full of glory, our future is full of expectation of what God is going to bless us and how he's going to answer our prayers and do, the sky's the limit. The cost of that was paid for by Jesus. And that grace reaches right back, right the way back to Jacob, fleeing from his brother Esau in Genesis 28. And it, through his word today, through that scripture, that grace reaches forward to us. That we should know, and everyone in this room should know, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants us to know that today. That we might have confidence for the future and not give in to despair. Not have a dumbed down expectation of what life is about for us. But we should have hope that God is at work in and through us because of Jesus, because of his grace. But the great thing about this story is it, it continues on and that we can see how actually immediately what happens is that Jacob then responds. And that's a key thing. For us to be passive in this doesn't really work. To be passive and just say academically, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven, that, that doesn't really make any difference. What, 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 what God wants is that that grace should actually elicit within us a response. It should have an effect in our lives. That's what it's there for, to transform us. And so we see the transforming nature of what happened in Jacob's life, that he woke up, if I can just go to that. When Jacob awoke from the sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, that's a key thing for us. You see, I don't know how you were when you came into church today or what it's been like this morning. Maybe you've had a dysfunctional family start to the day, often as a vicar. Actually, I was, when I was at St. Tim's, leading St. Tim's back in the day, you know, sometimes we'd have a terrible row. And I would have to stand like, hello, good welcome to St. Tim's and everything else. <laughs> so... We, even vicars start the day badly. I can tell you that absolutely, definitely do. I'm sure Amy will agree as well. Uh, um, uh, will and Jill are nodding over there. Uh, so that's the reality of it. So I don't know what it was, that, what kind of morning you've had or what kind of week, what kind of weekend. You, you, you may feel really low and discouraged. But actually God is with you. And they, even though you can't see that, and what he wants is you and me to recognize that he's with us. He wants that. And so the point here is, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. 
And God wants you and me to be aware of the fact that he is with us. He is in this place. He does love us. But we're just going blind. La, 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 blind eyes. We don't see it. Let's open our eyes in the morning prayer, which uh, some of us say quite regularly, Anglican morning prayer. Open our eyes to the joy of your presence. Open our eyes. And that's something we could ask God to do. So that's what he does first of all. Then he goes on. He takes a stone. He plates it under his head and set up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. It's like an act of worship. It wasn't an altar, but he, he basically he sets up that stone where, where he was got this thing back, sorry, I keep on forgetting my microphone. Uh, but he, he, uh, he sets it up and pours oil. He's, he's worshipping God. He's worshipping God. And that is really important. One of the ways to help the, the reality of the presence of God sink in is for us to worship him. Like Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget all his benefits. He does this, he does that. He forgives all our sins. And as we keep on saying, you are great, you are amazing, God, Actually, the penny begins to drop. Worship is a tremendous way for us to consolidate and appreciate more and more deeply the presence of God in our life. And then, next bit, next one, next bit, one more. Okay, then Jacob made a vow saying, since God will be with me. Now, I put since there, because it says, the NIV says if, but other translations say since. And I, I, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I, I, I defer to, to Will and Amy about Hebrew. But uh, certainly, I think it's a fair translation. For me, it makes sense that he's already seen God is with him. He's God, and therefore he's saying, therefore, the Lord will be my God. And I think that's, again, important for you and for me to say, look, I know, again, what kind of week you've had, but let's now celebrate the presence of God as we come to communion together let's make a fresh commitment this week God will be my God I will be his child and I commit my whole life back into his hands and I'm going to trust my life into his hands and as we do that again the reality of the presence of God becomes more and more firm we consolidate it because we step out in faith to do that and then the next bit if I could have the next one down and the stone and, and, and basically he's saying, and all, all that you give me, I will give a tenth. So he's therefore saying, I am going to depend upon you, God. I'm going to give the first, the best of my life. I'm going to give you the first, the first fruits of my life. I'm going to give you, now, again, you know, this is a big step of faith, isn't it? To give the first fruits, the best to God. What, surely we're better off if we have 100%, not 90%. But, but, but Jacob knows that by honoring God, by by worshipping him and trusting him and committing to putting him first, that's the way forward. And again, for us, that's really important. If we, we put, as we put God first in our lives, as we act in generosity, as we say, do you know what? I'm going to trust God and I'm going to be generous. Our faith grows. If we wait till we feel like it, often nothing happens. But if we keep on stepping out in faith and we say, yes, I believe God, I'm going to act as though that was true. And I'm going to start living that way. And as we do that, our faith grows. And then finally, then Jacob continues on his journey and came to the land of the Eastern. So that's basically how he, he, just, he just gets on now. But that experience has been transformative. And I believe that that's what God wants for each of us today. 
the story of G Jesus and, the, and, and the, the vision of the angels going up and down on him is about him dying on the cross for you and for me. And that grace went back all the way to Jacob, but it comes all the way forward for you and me today to transform this coming week, this coming month, the rest of our lives as you and I understand God's grace and mercy in our lives. Let's bow for his prayer. Lord, help us, Lord, not to be blind like Jacob was when he went in the desert and he, is, he had given up all hope. But thank you, Lord, that you opened his eyes to your grace. You helped him to see that you are faithful despite our sin because of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that our lives would increasingly be influenced by that understanding of your amazing grace. Help us so to understand your loving and living presence in every part of our lives that we would respond freely and joyfully, sacrificially, to offer our lives back to you in gratitude and hope with the assurance that you will never, ever leave us. And we ask this for your glory's sake. Amen.